0: Welcome to the Prospering Soul Podcast. This limited series is all about how to take care of your soul and how to make sure you understand the ways to be healthy and balanced in life. In this series, John Metter, lead pastor of Cross City Church, sits down to explain one of the most important secrets of his own spiritual growth and a detailed explanation of how people change. This is John Metterer, and I'm glad you've joined us. If you have been with us for the last two podcasts on the subject, then you're entering into number three right now. And the title of this one is The Secret of Change. I've told you that I have a process that I found in Scripture by which my life completely changes, and it changes because of the ability to build a prospering soul. This is something God has given us the ability to do, and, uh, and it changes the way we live. Uh, the whole teaching began in Third John, verse 4, where it says, I pray that you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So we're going to talk about what a prospering soul is all about. Um, and as we've talked about that, we've talked about the divine process of obedience. We understand the mind, the will, and emotions that our soul has. We've understood now that the spirit influences us. The spirit of God should be influencing our mind, will, and emotions. That should allow us to physically obey or to say and do the things that are the right things to do. And so let's spend a little bit of time today talking about the secret of change. How do we change our lives to do that? I'm going to use some theological terms here uh, because I know that many of my listeners are born-again believers in Jesus, and uh, so these theological terms become pretty helpful to us. You know, whenever the Bible speaks about your justification, it's in past tense, Whenever it speaks about your glorification, it's in future tense. But it's called, in the present tense, sanctification. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified by God. You're made right with God through Jesus Christ. And the promise is that one day you will be glorified with him, with a glorified body. But in the meantime, on planet Earth, in our lifetimes, we have this process of sanctification. This is where God sets us apart to be different and holy. And the clarified task for all believers is to let their soul uh, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit so that they can obey with their body. Aren't you glad God has already justified you? Aren't you glad he's promised to glorify you? But he has also commanded you to work on the present task, which is your soul. So you and I have been given the Spirit of God and justified, past tense, if Christ lives inside of us. And now in the present tense, the Spirit leads us to obey Him, to be more, more like Jesus Christ. And uh, the only way we can do that is to let the Spirit of God lead us in the right way. We talked about the try-hard method of doing that, uh, and that it just doesn't work. We don't have enough power to do that on our own. Um, But we know that the Spirit of God has enough power. So the Spirit leads, the mind, will, and emotion is transformed, the soul is transformed, and the soul disciplines and influences the body. I don't want this to be difficult. I want it to be simple. I want you to realize that God has given you the spirit that you need and that your body doesn't really have anything to do with it at this point. It's your soul that you must focus on. Your hand won't do things on its own without the mind, will, and emotions. Your mouth won't say things uh, automatically. Uh, it, It depends on your mind, will, and emotions. So you really need to focus the sanctification part is on your mind, will, and emotions. And when a soul is tuned into God's Spirit and sensitive to God's Spirit, it will exercise discipline on the body. I told you about my overcoming of my anger problem. It's remarkable how my words changed, how my actions changed, when my soul changed. And when my soul became in tune with the Holy Spirit, then I had new power to do things I couldn't do before. I had restraint I didn't have before. I deal with a lot of people on the subject of pornography, Um, and pornography is such a rage today. It's such a devastating curse on our culture. Uh, And the reason it's so hard and so difficult to deal with is like a hook that gets into your skin. Once you've gotten hooked into this, it's really, really hard to stop the habit of pornography. And, And yet, everybody deals with that to some degree. I dealt with that as a young man, and I had to overcome that as well. And the way I overcame that is the same way I'm talking to you about today, that divine process of obedience where I was in tune with the Spirit of God and what He wanted me to do, and my mind, will, and emotions began to be changed, and so my physical actions began to change as well. Do you ever wonder why you can't do the right thing in some area of your life? It's because your mind, will, and emotions have not been sensitive enough to the Spirit of God. You haven't tuned in well enough. Uh, you don't have to look far and throw your hands up in frustration. You just have to learn to transform your mind, will, and emotions so that they can be so in touch with the Spirit of God that you will simply obey Him. That doesn't mean we'll be perfect, but it does mean that we will be changed. So if that's true, if that's what we have to focus on, then then what do we need to do to do it? How, what's the secret to this kind of change? Well, I want to give you three keys today that are very important. Uh, These three keys uh, help us know how to progress and how to understand the secret of change. Um, So let me give you three things that are very important. First of all, we cannot change if we fail to measure the soul. We have to measure the soul. You need to know where you are. I've got an Apple Watch that does just about everything when it comes to managing and measuring my heart. It can tell me how fast my heart is beating at any given moment. It'll give me an average. It warns me when my heart drops below a certain number of beats per minute at night. It can also read my blood oxygen levels. It's really amazing what this Apple Watch can do. It tells me everything I need to know about my heart. And if certain things uh, are indicated by this watch, I may need the care of a doctor. For example, if my heart starts beating so slow, it's not able to pump blood through my body. I need to see someone about that. Or my blood oxygen levels are so low, I'm not getting oxygen to my lungs. So I find this is true of many believers today. Many would-be Christ followers, they fail to measure their soul with truth. They're just measuring their soul with the degree of what everybody else is doing around them. But if you fail to measure and examine your soul with truth you'll be deceived. So I'm going to go back to a a verse I've repeated a couple of times, Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. And it's a a passage that talks about the Bible. And it calls it the Word of God. Here's what it says. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So that verse tells me I'm stark naked before God. When I open the Bible, it exposes who I am. I can't be misled. I can't be deceived as long as the word of God is a mirror that points out of my life all my imperfections. When I read James chapter 1... Uh, there is a there's a great question that's asked in James one, and, and that question is does the word does the Bible work? And there's a picture of a miraculous mirror in that verse, in that passage, and it shows us exactly what we look like. I don't know about you, but I get up in the morning and I sometimes glance in the mirror, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't stand in front of that mirror and longingly lean forward into the mirror, searching every aspect of my face or my hair, but I look at it well enough to know if it needs change. Uh, Part of the problem with Christians today is we don't look into the mirror of truth long enough. We don't examine it deeply enough to discover whether we're measuring up to the ideal we're called to—Christlikeness. we're called to, Christ-likeness. We don't examine our soul with truth. James says that if we look at the mirror and just glance at it and walk away, we'll be deceived. So when I fail to examine my soul with truth, I think everything's okay. And really, it's not. And I think the reason that we have such a unique ability to rationalize away everything I fail to do is because we're not measuring our souls with truth. And you can literally go day by day in a state of deception if the Word of God is not opened up. But if you open it up and you read the Bible regularly, you have that soul checkup that compares your life with God's Word. Sometimes we're a little bit afraid of what that will yield, what we'll see, but it's nonetheless important. When I was in college I began to develop a habit that changed my life and it was a secret that I give to other people. I began to read one Proverbs a day. It doesn't take me three or four minutes to read one Proverb a day. Proverbs Proverbs is a book in the Old Testament. It has 31 chapters. And so it corresponds to any given month. And if it's the first of the month I'll read Proverbs 1. If it's the 21st I'll read Proverbs 21. So I'll just do that Week in and week out. And I've been doing that for 40 years. And what that gives me the ability to do is read the Word of God and examine my life every day in some way. Um, In the book of Proverbs is a contrast between a fool and a wise man. And I learned the first time I read through Proverbs that I had a lot of foolish things in my life. And now I read and I'm grateful that some of those foolish things have been changed. It's really important for me to read devotionally. Read just for me. You need to read the Bible just for you. And that's the only way you can really examine yourself or measure yourself. It's like the Apple Watch that, that records your heartbeat. You need to see how you're doing. Now, I'm a bike rider, and I enjoy bicycling, and I enjoy uh, the meter that I've been given by my kids. It's a, it's a, it's a little computer that goes on my, uh, my bike. It's a Garmin. And I can record not only all the heart things that I talked to you a moment ago about, but I can record the miles per hour, the, uh, the average speed. I can record uh, the number of times I turn the pedals uh, and I can get that cycling uh, data down. Uh, I can even record my energy levels. What have I exerted versus uh, what do I have in, um, in, re- in a reserve? So I can look at that as I'm riding the bike and see exactly where I am. I like that because it helps me know uh, if I can sustain the 40-mile or 50-mile bike ride or if I need to back off a little bit on that energy. It's a great way to examine myself. That's what the Word of God does for us. This is why I want you to get into the practice of reading one chapter of the Bible a day. Just take a moment to do that. And one of the greatest enemies is to neglect God's Word in a devotional way. But when you read God's Word, it really begins to help you uh, be measured and know where you stand. So this is one way we measure the soul. Then a second part of that secret is that is, is, uh, we learn to feed the soul. A failure to feed the soul means that we don't have the strength to do anything about what we've discovered we need to do. Um... Failure to feed the cell was a pretty big deal. The truth is we get preoccupied. Have you ever thought about that, the pace of life, the speed of life, how fast things go? I remember living in Chattanooga, Tennessee a few years ago. Uh, We moved there from Irving, Texas, which is right in the middle of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, a very fast-paced city, and when we moved to Chattanooga, all of a sudden we realized life was slower there even fast food wasn't fast anymore because we were so used to such speed. At the time, uh, McDonald's was uh, offering uh, a little slogan that you get your food in 60 seconds in the drive-thru line or it's free. 60 seconds or it's free. And so we were used to that here at Dallas-Fort Worth, but when we got to Chattanooga, we found that that promise never happened. It never worked. It usually took five or six or seven or ten minutes to get it. And uh, we just went at such a slow pace. Well, we moved back to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex a few years later, and we're back to that fast pace again. And that fast pace has a tendency to get us so busy that we never slow down and think. Well, if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself so preoccupied with things in life that you just don't have a chance to feed your soul. Take the time to feed your soul. Jesus gave a great illustration. It's called the parable of the sower. <clears throat> Let me read it to you. Hear the parable of the sower, he says. When anyone hears the word of, of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Now, catch this. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Now, the only way someone can become unfruitful is they were fruitful at the beginning. So, it's really important for you to see that if you have no fruit, you're barren. And it's really, really important for you to feed the soul and take the time to grow the seed that goes into your life. And in Jesus' parable, preoccupation is what did it. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches choked out the word. And I can see how our souls are so choked out today. Most of us have our phones in our hands and we're always surfing the Internet. We're preoccupied with activities, with television, with sports, with news, with weather, you name it. And we just don't have the time to let the Word grow. Everything jokes it out. And neglecting the soul through preoccupation, failing to feed the soul is one of the greatest enemies you can confront in the warfare for a prospering soul. If you don't measure the soul with truth, if you don't feed the soul by giving it time, then it's really, really hard to grow. And you may just need to think about some of these things to keep yourself from being preoccupied, too busy, to actually have a prospering soul. We all have 168 hours a week. We all have the same amount of time. But some of us squander that time, and some of us are so busy, so worried, so anxious, that we just never get around to really feeding our soul. And it's really important for you to slow down. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. All the desires of things we want to have, of uh, things to please our bodies with, of uh, uh, things that we want to add to our arsenal, to our home, uh, wage war against the soul. So ask yourself this question: Am I guilty of those sins of omission, failing to examine or measure my soul, failing to uh, to feed my soul? Maybe that's why you're not growing. And so I want to encourage you that there is a, re- a distinct relationship between spending time. With the Word and time with God and the ability to follow Him. Have you ever noticed that before? If you don't spend time with God, if you don't spend time with the Word, you have an inability to obey. A wise older woman years ago made this statement. She said, If you're out of God's Word, you know it. If you're out two days, your family knows it. If you're out three days, the whole world knows it. And I found that to be true. It's not long before I have no discipline and no control and no ability to do what I know the right thing to do is, no ability to change the way I feel or change what I say uh, because I haven't spent time with God. So from a practical perspective, great people do what they need to do in order to accomplish growth. They don't wait for the desire to do a thing. They lead with discipline, so they spend time with the things that make a difference i like to use this three-word analogy, three, three-word acrostic, if you will. It's, uh, it's actually three words that begin with the same letter uh, as a way of encouraging people to spend time uh, in the truth, spend time with God. The first word is the word discipline. I discipline myself, first of all, to spend time with the truth. The second word is desire. After I disciplined myself to do this for a while, I began to desire it more and more. I begin to be hungry for it. And the third word is the word delight. I find delight happens when I've been in the word for a while, when I've been spending time in the truth. And I don't start with delight. And I don't even start with desire. If I want my soul to be transformed by these things, then I need to discipline myself first. And then comes the desire. And then comes the delight. You don't feel your way into acting. You act your way into feeling. And the more you do what love does, the more you may feel about what love feels. The more you discipline yourself to be exposed to the truth, the more you're going to want to obey the truth. So that's really what happens. That's the second part of that of that secret. Then there's a third thing that, uh, that we need to know about for... Gaining the secret of being a transformed soul. Uh, The first one, again, is failing to measure the soul. If we don't measure the soul, then we don't even know where we are. If we don't feed the soul and give it time, then we don't have a chance to develop. The third thing is we, we have to protect the soul. We fail to protect the soul when we fail to embrace sound doctrine. Now, I know what the word doctrine, some of you will Kind of saying, I'm not really interested in doctrine right now. Uh, but doctrine is not just somebody's fight to be right. Doctrine is the skeleton that holds up your spiritual body. It's the truth that holds you together. Um, in the book of Acts, brand new believers were being described here. And uh, in the book of Acts, it says, Since we have heard that some who went after us have troubled you with words unsettling your soul. Um, in other words, bad doctrine unsettled the souls of some of those early believers A good doctrine helps protect you in a major, major way. So, you know, years ago, my uh, father described an experience uh, that he had seen. My father was a pastor, and he'd seen a man um, leap from a third-floor window because uh, he believed that uh, the Lord had told him to jump from a third-floor window. Obviously, it didn't turn out well for him. And uh, the whole illustration behind that was that he didn't have enough sound doctrine to know that God doesn't tell us to jump out of third floor windows for no reason. And, uh, and I kind of took that with me as I got into ministry. And one day I had a guy talk to me. He was on the verge of suicide. He said he had nothing to live for. He would never be able to please God again. He said he was finished. And I found out he had a gun and he was ready to go. One shot was all it was going to take. And I asked him what brought him to that state of mind. And he told me this story. He said the elders in the church that he attended uh, told him that if he did not learn to speak in tongues that he would have grieved the Holy Spirit, blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and lose his salvation. He thought he had lost his salvation. and He, he just didn't know sound doctrine, that not sound doctrine, what he was told. and Because of that, he was uh, in a low, low state of mind, even suicidal state of mind. So I talked with him through what salvation really is and how no one is going to lose their salvation because they do or don't practice a certain spiritual gift. And and after a time, he realized the strength of the doctrine of salvation, knowing that Christ had paid for his sins, it changed his whole perspective, his whole outlook. He went from suicidal because of bad doctrine to confident because of good doctrine. So you don't protect your soul if you don't know good doctrine. Doctrine has a lot to do with our ability to stand firm. Now, I say all that to say this, and I don't say it just because I'm a pastor, but I say it with special emphasis because I'm a pastor. When you listen to sound biblical teaching, when someone stands up and preaches true biblical doctrine, do not get bored by it. Don't tune out. Anchor into it. Lean into it. It's important for your life and your spiritual growth because the enemy is always trying to sow seeds of doubt. And he can sow those seeds of doubt in such a way to disturb you on so many different levels, but that God's given you sound doctrine to stand firm. So I know it's fashionable today. It's bold to say, well, it doesn't matter what anybody believes as long as we're all one in the spirit. But that's just not true. It does matter what you believe. Here's what's healthy to say. This is what God's word says about who he is, about his commitment to us, about our commitment to him. Anchor yourself in that, and when you anchor yourself in that, you're building all kinds of stability for your spiritual life. So let me encourage you to make sure that you're building your life on sound doctrine. Let me make sure that you're measuring your soul. With truth, I want to make sure that you're actually feeding your soul with those times alone with God, and that really begins to contribute to a prospering soul. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have another session soon. And session four will take you even further into what it means to walk with God, to have a prospering soul. And uh, I hope this has been a difference maker in your life. Yeah, It certainly has in mine. Thank you.